sermon podcast of Antioch Church in Colorado Springs. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to support the work we're doing in Colorado Springs, you can give online at our website, antiochcos.com. We hope that the Lord ministers to you through this message. Christ is risen, church. Amen. That might, might be the most important thing that we can say together. You know, it hit me, uh, Pastor Jade asked me to speak on one of the practices that sustain healthy community as part of our series on hospitality and learning to live together as the people of God who are different and as, as witnesses to Christ here in the world. He asked me to speak on promise keeping a couple of weeks ago, which I thought was going to be really fun and exciting until I realized the timing of this message. Um, in case the irony hasn't hit you yet, let me, let me bring you to that point, that we are two days away, of course, from uh, the results of our national election, which should remind all of us that all the time we are continually being reminded of how empty human promises can be. And not only do we break promises all the time, but we make promises that are impossible for us to keep. And of course, politicians are the caricature for this. I don't want to villainize them over and against any of us because we do the same thing. We just don't have the power, the authority, or the influence that they have. But it hit me this last week of the timing of this message, and I thought, man, I'm going to have to do a shift here. And originally, you know, part of what we are aiming for in this series is to talk about practices that we can engage in as the church for a more healthy community, which of course is important, and maybe at some point we will get there. But this morning, I'm not going to hit very much of that. I think that the most powerful way forward for us when it comes to promise-making and promise-keeping is to remember and rehearse and allow God to renew his promises to us. That if we're going to be the kind of people who can learn to make promises one to another and to reflect God's promises to the world, then we have to rehearse those promises and remind ourselves of what God has actually said to us. You know, society is built on trust, of course, which Pastor Jade has talked a lot about the last two weeks. But what trust really is, is, so let me, let me just read a couple of things here, and then I'm going to just jump to the chase, and we're going to come to the table. That's how this is going to work. But trust is built when promises and commitments are tried and proven. And I was trying to think, where, where do I start? You know, we're not rooted in a, in a biblical text this morning as much as an idea. And there are literally hundreds of places in Scripture to start. So I went to the beginning. I went to Genesis. And it hit me that when God was revealing himself to people, and when God was establishing his character, or rather revealing his character to people, he did it primarily by making promises and fulfilling them making promises and fulfilling them. So we have all of these promises. I'm not going to read them, but I'm going to, I'm going to uh, just name them. So in Genesis 3, of course, we know that that is the chapter of the fall. 
God makes promises to Adam, to Eve, and to the serpent that their lives, all three of them, and of course, all of their offspring are going to be forever different. That for women, childbearing would be painful. For men, the work of their hands, toiling with the ground is going to be difficult. In Genesis 6, uh, he makes two promises to Noah, well, one in chapter 6 and one in chapter 9. One, preparing Noah and his family for the flood, which of course then happened and established credibility and trust with God. And then two, a rainbow is a sign that he would never do it again. Genesis 12, God makes two promises to Abraham. One, that he would make Abraham or from Abraham's seed a great nation. And then a couple of chapters later, he promises Abraham a son in his own old age, which of course happens and establishes trust with God. Genesis 28, Jacob's dream he calls Jacob then Israel and promises that God's people would forever be called Israel. So we have this, this happening and fulfilling, this promise making and this promise keeping, which is at least in Genesis, the primary way where God is establishing and revealing his character to his people. And then I came across this story, which is a story that I very rarely, full disclosure, I very rarely read. And it is the story of Ruth, course. And we know that the story of Ruth is a story of a young Moabitess woman who makes a promise, makes a commitment to her mother-in-law. And, and I wanted to read some of the verses from Ruth just because there's some really nuanced stuff in there. If you're like me and you just haven't read it in a really long time, it's only four chapters. I would encourage you to read it this week. But here is the fascinating thing about the story of Ruth that this woman, who is a Moabitess woman, that previously in the Torah, Israelites were to have nothing to do with Moabite people. So we have this Moabitess woman promising to her mother-in-law after her husband, who is Naomi's son, has already passed away, that she is not going to leave Naomi. She cares so deeply for this woman and she is so deeply committed to this woman that she makes a vow, a promise, if you will, that nothing is going to separate her from Naomi. So then fast forward to the end of the book, the elders of, I am going to read just a couple of verses here, just because I think it's so beautiful. So they go back to Jerusalem, or to Bethlehem, rather, which is just a few miles away. And in chapter 4, verse 11, then the elders and all the people at the gate said, of Ruth, we are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in, I'm going to take a shot at this, Ephrathah, and be famous in Bethlehem through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman. May your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamor bore to Judah. And then this really quirky, fascinating little detail. So the end of the book of Ruth ends with a very short genealogy. And that genealogy is quoted exactly verbatim in the beginning of book of Matthew, where, of course, the author of Matthew is establishing the line of Jesus, right? Except there are two little details that are added in the book of Matthew that are not included in Israel. So we have this promise in Ruth chapter one. And in Ruth chapter four, we have the elders of the city that realize how 
wonderful and how committed this woman was. And they bless her and they promise that her offspring is going to be, quote unquote, famous in Bethlehem. And then there is this genealogy at the end of the book. And then we see the genealogy repeated in the book of Matthew with two details that are added. And I'm going to read these details because I think this is perhaps one of the most beautiful things that I have never seen in scripture. So in Matthew chapter one here, uh, halfway through verse three, Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Amminadab, Amminadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, or Salmon, maybe it's Salmon, I don't know, maybe they're, maybe they're Alaskans, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. This is one of the two things that are added. Boaz, the father of Obed. This is the second thing that is added. Whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. So we see a woman who was not even welcome in the people of Israel. Make a promise out of commitment and faithfulness to her elderly mother-in-law who had no one to support her. And then the elders of the city, they recognize this and they make a promise to her that her and her husband's line is going to be famous in Bethlehem. Now, whatever they thought that meant, there's no way they could have thought it was gonna mean this. And here's the interesting thing. At the end of that book, they think that whoever wrote the book of Ruth, I don't know, I didn't do the research on it, they thought that they were doing her a great service, which of course they were. And they put this genealogy there that is gonna be quoted and retrieved in the beginning of the book of Matthew. But the author of the book of Matthew takes it even a step further and includes Ruth's name. We see this as one of the many stories in scripture where God honors the faithful promises of people. That this woman made a promise to someone probably thinking it would have very little impact in the end of the world. And God so honors her faithfulness as to include her in the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah of all of her people. You and I are called to be people of the promise. People not just of our own promises, but people after the promises of God. And so one of the things that I wanted to do, and at this point, this is, it's going to take a few minutes, so I'm just going to jump right to this, and then we're going to come to the table. I wanted to rehearse over us some of the promises that God has made to you and to me about our future, together and together with him. So I'm going to blow through these. I'm going to be careful to try and say uh, the scripture, the, the chapter and verse, so that if you want to look them up later, I would encourage you to. I almost couldn't read these without crying this week. And there's about 12, so I'm going to skip a handful of them. But guys, allow these to remind you of the foundation of our faith. That we are a people of the promise that has gone long before us and will come long, long after us. As Pastor Jade has already mentioned, after the results of Tuesday, these promises do not change. These promises do not change. How you and I live in the midst of these promises will change, potentially. But God is faithful. So let's start here, Matthew 28, 20. And teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, this is Jesus speaking. I should have proceeded with that. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, or some of your translations will say darkly, but then... In the end, we will see face to face. Now, Paul says, I know only in part. Then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. 1 Corinthians 15, I'm gonna, I pieced together a handful of verses over the whole chapter. So forgive me for not stating all of the verses. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. For as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ. There is a promise. But each in his own order. Christ, the firstfruits, of course, which has already happened. Christ has been raised. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. This is the future. Then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father. After he has destroyed every ruler and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Verse 54. When this perishable body puts on imperishability and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians chapter four, because we know the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us, you and me, also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. Colossians chapter three, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Amen. Second Peter chapter 3. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But in accordance with his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth, where righteousness is at home. 1 John 3, beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed, but what we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. That is one of my absolute favorite verses. Revelation chapter 1, and Aaron, I hope you enjoyed your break. Would you come back, please? Thank you. I hope that was a nice uh, reprieve for your fingers there. <laughs> Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 and 4, and then a couple of verses from chapter 22, which of course is the last chapter in Holy Scripture. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them. Let me pause here. For all of the other promises, for all of the other things that we might be looking forward to, for all of the other things that we find ourselves in moments of difficulty tethered to, this is the greatest promise, that we will be with God because he has chosen 
to dwell with us. And maybe you're in a place where that's not the most exciting thing to you because perhaps maybe your view of God is not a God that you want to dwell with. But I assure you, he is the kind of God that wants to dwell with you for all of eternity. So let me finish this verse. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And then in verse or chapter 22, and there will be no more night. For they will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God himself will be their light. And they will reign and we will reign forever and ever. Church, there are so many more. We didn't scratch the Old Testament. We didn't talk about promises that are already being fulfilled. These are promises that we can hold on to and look to for our future. In moments of tragedy, of which there have been many, in this body recently, some many of you may be aware of and some that you will not, and you will be in the coming weeks, but I wanna encourage you that sometimes our human frailty and our brokenness gets the best of us. And we make promises that we cannot keep. We make promises that we can keep that we don't keep. But God has never made a promise that he cannot and will not keep. This is one of the things that we celebrate when we come forward to this meal. That when we come every week, that we remember and we renew the covenant that we have made with one another, that God has made with us, and that we make with God for the sake of the world, to remind this world that there is a God and that this God is a God of love and mercy and justice, and that whatever else will come, God is coming again in the future and he will make all things right. And he is bringing his kingdom of righteousness and justice to bear in the earth around us. So I'd like you to stand with me and prepare your hearts to come forward and to receive of this holy table. Thank you for listening to the Antioch Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, visit AntiochCOS.com.